You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 947 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday evening. And today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy at only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories? It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. So obviously, it's sort of the Lots on Tony Snell podcast this evening as Tony Snell knocks down the game winner for the Hawks in leading Atlanta to a 121 to 120 victory. There were lots of highs some lows, and then the ultimate uh, walk-off game winner from Snell. So in the end, a positive result for the Hawks, who definitely played quite poorly for about two quarters in this game. But they played awesome at the beginning and awesome at the end, and that was enough to get a win in the first of 36 games in 66 days for the Hawks. That's a lot of basketball. If you're wondering how busy the NBA schedule is and will be in the second half, the next time the Hawks have two days off in a row without a game is April 16 and 17, which is like five, six weeks from now. And Nate McMillan said before the game tonight that Wednesday's practice the Hawks had could be their last practice of the season in terms of an actual full practice. That is crazy because it's half the season with no practice, but uh, they'll actually, they'll of course have shoot around stuff like that, walkthroughs. And, but it's kind of just speaks to how crazy it's going to be. And it's a pretty good start for the Hawks to get this win here. Their third straight win overall dating back to the first half of the campaign. And uh, it is worth pointing out at the top here, that Toronto was shorthanded in this game. There was three or four, three of their top four players, I should say, and the Hawks were favored on the road as a result of that. And then, of course, Atlanta was up by, was up by 19 points in the first half. Everybody's feeling great. Uh, and then they went into a bit of a lull, as we'll talk about in a second, only to come back and win it, despite being down 15 points with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, I will say, and I made a point of this on Twitter, the Hawks were inexplicably one-point underdogs at at least one place that I won't mention on the podcast, but the good folks at AG had the Hawks at about three-and-a-half-point favorites by tip-off. That is more representative. I think the Hawks needed to win this game. It would have been a bad loss. I mentioned that uh, during the fourth quarter. Um, I, well, but definitely making sure to keep the door open because the Hawks have been really streaky this year, and it was not over at any point. But it would have been a bad loss. And they avoid that, and it becomes a very fun win. Tony Snell celebrates at the end of the game, and we'll touch on all of that stuff, as always, on the podcast. I will remind you quickly at the top that I have had a busy week already, even with the All-Star break. I had Caitlin Cooper on to talk about Nate McMillan earlier in, the, earlier in the week on the podcast. That was a fun conversation. And then before that, Brian Schroeder did a two-part episode with me on the NBA Draft. So those are still very much available in the feed. If you're a new listener, subscribe, check all of those out. And now we will dive in to what became, again, a very fun win for the Hawks. At the outset here... Um, the Hawks started out very well. It was actually um, a little bit sluggish in the first possession or two. In fact, the Hawks missed their first three th- first three shots in a row on threes from Snell, Herter, and Trey Young. But then they actually scored the first seven points. It was a five-point possession, the first time the Hawks scored. And it was 14-4 to overall by Atlanta out of the gate because Toronto just couldn't score. The Raptors scored four points in about four and a half minutes at the outset of this game. And the Raptors, again, you know, without... Ananobi, without Siakam, without Van Vliet, they are pretty shorthanded. Obviously, they're well-coached. Kyle Lowry's still good. Norm Powell had a big game. But this is a Raptors team that is not very good as it was constructed this evening. And the Hawks played like that in the early going. Um, Trae Young had nine points in nine of the first 16 for Atlanta. And uh, even with the Hawks going to a full bench unit, 
late in the first quarter, they actually had an 11-1 run with a bench on the floor to go up by 14. It was actually eight straight points from Gallinari, who had a nice little flourish there. Akangu played very well for the Hawks in this game, had a, had a block on Aaron Baines, and then Madonovich had a steal and a three by Solomon Hill. It was all gravy there from the Hawks bench in the early going, and they actually led by 11 points at the end of the first quarter with eight assists. They scored at a high level. Trey had 11 points. It's something that Glenn Willis pointed out, good friend of the program from Peachtree Hoops. The Hawks ran a lot less pick and roll really the whole game, but especially in the first quarter, maybe quarter and a half of this game. That was noteworthy to me. Um, we'll see how much that was just scheme-related, but the Hawks definitely did not have a, their normal diet of pick-and-roll in this spot, so that's worth pointing out and keeping an eye on moving forward. And the Hawks did allow, sorry, the Hawks did manage to take 14 threes in the first quarter. It slowed down after that, but you want to give up, actually, I think you want to get up a lot of threes if you're the Hawks uh, to play the math with all the shooting they have if everybody's playing, so there is all of that. Um, the Raptors also just couldn't score. As, again, Toronto was 4 of 16 on twos in the first quarter, and that allowed the Hawks to take control of the game, and then uh, Rajon Rondo hit two threes to start the second quarter, and then Congo had a follow-up dunk, and then a corner three from Solomon Hill. It was 11-3 run by the Hawks to open the second quarter, and uh, put a pin in this one, the Hawks led 48-29. to 29. At that point, Atlanta is a massive favorite against a team in Toronto that was shorthanded. But as you all know, the game very much flipped from that point forward. That was about nine and a half minutes left in the second quarter. And from basically that point until six-minute mark of the fourth quarter, it was a bloodbath. The Hawks went from down, sorry, up 19 to down 15. So they lost... That stretch, about, you know, two quarters plus by 34 points. That is very bad against a team that was not exactly out-talenting the Hawks in this game. It started right away. Toronto had their Toronto had their first big run. It was a 10-0 run right after the Hawks had that sort of broke it open, go up by 19. Norm Powell had 18 points in the first quarter and a half, including four threes. Uh, the lead got down to four with about four minutes to go. Um, there was some shaky stuff from pretty much everyone there. Trey Young, some of the bench guys cooled off. Uh, it was uh, it was a rough patch. And then John Collins got his third foul on a charge late in the first half on a pretty bad call, actually. There was some questionable officiating throughout this game. I'll just say that out loud. Um, the Hawks did push it back up to 10 briefly at the end of the first half. But Toronto cut it right back to 4, and it was a 5-point game at the half. I mentioned this on Twitter, but, you know, up five at the half, if you, t- if you tell me that coming into the game, I would have been like, that's great. The Hawks were three-point favorites. If you're up five at the half, that's a good result. When you're, when you're up 19 earlier than that in the second quarter, uh, up five at the half does not feel so good. So that's uh, worth pointing out just sort of a as a taking a step back here. The Hawks shot 7-20 from the floor in the second quarter. They had five turnovers. The Raptors got a little bit hot on their own. It was still a positive half overall. That is worth saying out loud. But it was definitely a letdown. Trey had 20 in the first quarter, and I think he didn't actually play that well. I tweeted that and got some pushback, but I really think that it wasn't like he was terrible. But at one point, I think Trey had 26 points, like midway through the third, and he really wasn't playing very well, which is, by the way, a credit to how good he is that he cannot play that well and still score at that level. But he wasn't passing all that well. He wasn't super uh, effective when he wasn't getting the free throw line. Of course, he had some nice moments late, which were definitely pivotal, but interesting to kind of point that out as well. Um, at any rate, the Hawks, up, uh, Hawks are up by five at the half. You're feeling all right, and uh, we'll come back to the way this sort of ebbed and flowed the rest of the game. But first, before we get to that second half of the podcast, it is time to reveal the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And this is a tricky one this week because there's only one game to talk about. It's the one tonight, so I don't want to give all of that stuff away just then. And I'm going to shoehorn, I'm going to shoehorn in a bit of news here. Also, I gave the award to Tony Snell last week, so I would have given it to him again here, but, you know, it's time for some news in this segment as well. 
And so I'm going to give it to Trey Young. And Trey Young is a choice because, honestly, he could be the choice most weeks. He led the team in scoring tonight. He was obviously fantastic. He was also named as a finalist for USA Basketball's Olympic, Olympic team selection process later this summer. USA Basketball named 15 more finalists on Thursday, headlined by Young and Zion Williamson. And that adds to the player pool that was already there. So there are 57 finalists. That's a lot of people, obviously. Um, they, they're sort of going intentionally wide because of COVID and all the uncertainty there. But as you might recall, last summer, there was a big groundswell, uh, including for me, by the way, when Trey Young was left off the pool last year. I thought it was ridiculous and said as much that he and John Collins, but especially Trey, were omitted because some of the names that were there didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I uh, sort of joined in that outcry. Um, from Hawks fans as well. But anyway, that's now rectified for Young. He'll be in the mix for inclusion as they cut down that roster. So shouts to Trey for that sort of uh, that honor there. And then, of course, he comes out and leads the team with 37 points in this game. So Trey Young definitely earned Player of the Week honors. And shout out to Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? I own 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it in the end. Joy creates success. And enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Michelob Ultra, and the Ultra Player of the Week is Trey Young. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, even without football here to entertain all of us. There's the NBA, of course, on this podcast. There's college basketball. There's the NHL, in addition to soccer and tennis and auto racing and golf and everything that you could possibly imagine to wager on in the sports world. And on top of that... BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, entertainment, and reality TV. There are real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, and the props are some of the best stuff if you are not necessarily into games and uh, handicapping all of that. There's uh, individual points and individual rebounds and assists and all kinds of uh, subplots that you can take advantage of at BetOnline.ag in the props section. In fact, BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and the odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website right now or use a mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts and use the promo code locked on to get that fantastic 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. One more time, it is promo code locked on for the welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we'll dive into the third quarter and beyond here. Uh, Kevin Herter hits a, hits a fly, by, fly by mid ranger at the beginning of the second half. Then Trey Young hits a lob to Clint Capella, and suddenly the Hawks are up by nine again, and everybody's feeling good. Uh, sort of a slow first half for Kevin Herter, and they intentionally, I thought, gave him a play out of the gate in the third quarter to get him going. That was a good decision by McMillan and company. Um, but then Toronto came right back with a counterpunch. They scored seven straight points, get the lead down to two. There was a bizarre call against Trey Young in which Clint Capella got very loud and disagreed with the officials. It was so loud that it was on the broadcast. But Toronto ties the game with 7-19 left in the third quarter, so the lead of 19 was officially gone. In about, you know, it was like 13 minutes, 14 minutes of game time between up 19 and tied. And then out of that, it was kind of back and forth again. They finally took the lead, Toronto did, on a Norm, on a Norm Powell 3 with about six minutes to go. Um, there was one nice play by Kongwu in which he completely annihilated Stanley Johnson on a drive defensively, just totally walled him off in a pretty encouraging fashion there. But the full bench lineup did not go as well in the third quarter for the Hawks as it did in the first. It was a 13-3 run by the Raptors as the Hawks just kind of failed to score at the end of the third quarter. In fact, it was a 65-36 run over about 20 minutes of game time um, from down 19 to the end of the third quarter. So that tells you, I mean, 65-36 speaks for itself. That is really rough, and the Hawks kind of earned their demotion from in total control to trying to climb out of the deficit. So down 10 at the end of the third quarter was not where you wanted to be, obviously. Uh, they kind of played Collins, I would say, curiously little 
in this spot. It wasn't quite as jarring at the end of the game because I think he played the entire fourth, if I, don't, if I do uh, remember that correctly. I'm looking this up now. Yes, Collins played the entire fourth quarter. That kind of made it seem a little bit less, but through three quarters, he played 16 minutes. That is interesting to me. He's played less in the McMillan-led games. I'm not sure if it's anecdotal or what, but that was uh, an eyebrow raiser to be sure. And he, only, he actually only played about seven minutes total in the second and third quarters total. You know, part of that was foul trouble. He had three fouls, but uh, that wasn't enough to sort of lay that out all the way through. So something to keep an eye on for the future. At any rate, there was a, uh, you know, as the fourth quarter opens, they're down by 10. Then they had a turnover in pretty ugly fashion at the outset to go down by 12. The Hawks kind of came alive a little bit. They made their first run. It was 7-0 early in the fourth, and the Raptors kind of kicked the ball around a little bit. There's a timeout. It's down to five. So after all that, the Hawks are down five with 10 minutes left. But then, what I thought was going to be the probably the biggest swing of the game, quite honestly, was the stretch right after the Hawks made that first push. Kyle Lauer hits a three. Trey Young turns the ball over. The Norm Powell scores. The Hawks miss back-to-back threes. And then Boucher hits a three for the Raptors. And it's an 8-0 run in about 70 seconds for Toronto to put the Hawks down by 13 again. So, you make your first punch, back down 13. And that felt like it was a little bit teetering at that point in time. And then another one where Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter had a pretty good look to hit, uh, to maybe hit a three to cut the lead down to eight. He missed it. And then Lowry hits a three to go up by 14 with seven minutes left. So two more mini swings. The first one was more important than the second one. But all that said, the Hawks are down 15 with 5.56 to go as Trey Young goes to the free throw line. And I'm not kidding. I, I tweeted this out, but I, I, I sort of keep like a running diary and I, I bold things in my, uh, in my notes as they are... Uh, Jumping out to me as potential pivot points, and I don't always keep them all bolded throughout the game, but I bolded that right away because basically it was the, the Hawks will make a run right now. They're, this game's probably going to be over. And they did. So, so there you go. Uh, Trey hits both free throws. Then a terrible turnover by Kyle Lowry, who had a couple really bad ones. Like, I've, I think Kyle Lowry's very good. He was really bad at times in the fourth quarter of this game. And then Trey hits a deep, like 29, 30 foot bomb, and suddenly it's 10. So, you know, 15, that's a lot. But down 10 with 5.27 to go, more manageable. They get a stop out of the timeout. Gallinari hits two free throws. They get another stop when Collins blocks Aaron Baines. And then Gallo hits a three. So suddenly it's a five-point game. It's a 10-0 run. All 10 points by Young and Gallinari. And they're playing without Capella, playing a little bit smaller, trying to go catch-up mode offensively. It got a little bit ugly from there, like some stops both into the floor. Um, Kevin Hurd hits free throws with 3.29 to go to cut it to three. That was a 12-0 run overall by the Hawks. Then it sort of staggers a little bit. Um, the Hawks, uh, actually, Trey Young had a three in the air to tie it and missed it just short. Um, they sort of alternate from there. They foul Chris Boucher, who hits both free throws. So it's a five-point game with 2.24 to go. Uh, foul back and forth, back and forth. Uh, gave up a wide-open three to Stanley Johnson off a nice set by Toronto to go up by six at 117 to 111. And then Collins misses a pretty good look on a catch-and-shoot three. That was a little bit of a waiver point. Boucher, though, misses for Toronto. And then Collins misses a layup in transition. They call Trey Young for offensive goaltending. It was overruled, though, on review, and that was a big play. Obviously, when you win by one, that's a big swing, and it was. Even in real time, it was the right call to overturn it. I think it was definitely coming off the rim. But that cut the lead from six down to four. Then there was a big shot, though. I thought this is the this is the point in which I thought the Hawks were probably in the most trouble they had been in, in quite some time. They give up a pretty wide-open three to Stanley Johnson, who makes another one after a nice pass by Bembry. They were targeting Trey Young, I thought, defensively off the dribble and kind of collapsing the defense as a result. But the Hawks now down seven at 120 to 113, but an immediate answer 
by Kevin Herter after some nice ball movement to get it back down to four, and four is definitely manageable in a way that seven is not. Then another big thing to circle here that Toronto could have done differently is that Norm Powell gets a foul call at the rim with about a minute to go. He misses both free throws, and Norm Powell entered the night at 89.9% from the free throw line, and then he made his first five. So he was, I think, I think he was over 90% for the year at that point in time, and he misses both. And that's one of those things that has to happen. You know, in order to come back 15 down, you, you got to play well, obviously, but the other team has to kind of give it back to you. And I mentioned the Lowry turnovers. Those turnovers and the Norm Powell free throws were the things that I wanted to circle here because the Hawks made a lot of plays, but uh, that's a gift from Norm Powell, who was really good in this game, but not in that moment. Then they give up a, uh, a layup to Trey Young. So Trey Young gets a layup, um, straight to the rim, cuts the lead down to three. Um, and then actually, the Hawks got to stop initially, but they lost the ball out of bounds after a Kyle Lowry miss. So the Raptors get the ball back with 14 on the shot clock and 27 seconds to go. Toronto then throws the ball on the inbounds all the way into the backcourt with a short shot clock of 14. And, you know, one of the weaknesses here of Toronto, especially without um, Van Vliet and Siakam, is lack of shot creation. Really, it's just Lowry and Powell kind of that can get their own shot. But neither of those guys would you consider number one options at the end of a game. And it showed here. So Powell gets the ball, um, has to go quickly after the long, weird pass to the backcourt, um, but ends up passing to Bembry, uh, old friend, DeAndre Bembry, who had like a makeable shot, but it was like a push shot from eight feet away. It was contested. He misses. Just a generally horrible possession by the Raptors. Uh, good defense by the Hawks, to be fair, but that was helpful. The Hawks then call timeout with seven seconds to go, down by two. From there, you, I'm, I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast this, this deep has seen the play, but uh, it was kind of a free-flowing action. Trey Young gets walled off. Um, the play was actually a two-man game at that point from him and Gallinari. Uh, but everything was covered. Tony Snell with a great relocation that I want to point out. Snell was in the corner initially, slides up to the wing. That opens up the passing the passing lane to get him the ball. And he could not hesitate. Now, it wasn't that close. He had like 0.3, 0.4 before he actually got it off. But if he hesitates, it probably doesn't get off. And uh, he catches, he fires, he makes. I will encourage you, if you've not watched the replay again, to watch Danilo Gallinari, who is on the left wing, and Gallinari just stands there with his hands in the air before the ball is even halfway to the rim. He knows it's going in. Everybody knew it was going in. I knew it was going in. Tony Snell is open. It's going to go in the basket. But Gallinari didn't even move. He just stood there with his hands in the air. Even during the celebration, he was like the last one over there, just kind of in his own world, which is kind of amusing. But Tony Snell is 35, sorry, 33 of 51 from three in his last 51 attempts. Just outrageous. And John Schumann of NBA.com passed this along. Snell was 58% on catch-and-shoot threes for the season coming into the night. So, uh, yeah, Toronto, don't leave that guy up two. That was the thing about that, that um, if you're a Raptors fan, you got to be kicking yourself a little bit, is that you're up two there. It's not like you're up by one and you get beat with a three. That's kind of what you want. If you're up two, pretty much the last thing in the world you want there, if you are a Raptors fan, is a Tony Snell wide-open catch-and-shoot three. So credit to the Hawks for creating it. Good pass by Trey, um, good good awareness by Snell to kind of create that and slide up to the wing. But man, uh, really bad from the Raptors in the last five minutes of this game. Uh, and I talked to, I have some Raptors fan uh, or at least observer, writer friends that were uh, maddened by the performance, and I totally understand. So after all that, let's get the win by one. So <laughs> we can go through even more granular detail here. I'm not going to do that. Um, it was a fun one. 
Uh, fun is not always uh, linear. Obviously, the middle portion of this game was really brutal for Atlanta. But in the fourth quarter, the Hawks shot 50% from the floor and 10 of 10 from the free throw line. That was big. The Raptors were 9 of 25 from the floor in the fourth. That was a pivot point as well. For the game, the Hawks took 12 more free throws, and that was the difference. Actually, the Hawks missed seven free throws in this game, but they got hot late at the line, and that was very helpful. Toronto shot the ball well there as well, but just didn't get there quite as often. And the Hawks actually had fewer assists. They had fewer threes. They had, I believe, fewer two, yeah, fewer twos. And same turnovers and offensive rebounds were not like a huge swing in Atlanta's favor. So it really comes down to the free throws in this game. Everything else, in terms of the traditional box score, kind of went either neutral or slightly towards Toronto, but the Hawks made free throws, and they made big plays late, and that was the end of that. Offensively, it was a pretty, I would say it's a pretty offensive game overall. Both teams scored at an above-average clip, about 1.15 points per possession on both sides. So, if you want to credit, uh, credit one end of the floor, it was definitely the offense. It's disappointing on some level for the Hawks' defense that they gave up what they gave up to that shorthanded Raptors team. Obviously, without Hunter and Reddish to stop point-of-attack defense, that is worth pointing out. And there's some weaknesses that we'll talk about in a second from the uh, supporting cast. But still, Atlanta does enough to get the win here, and uh, we'll celebrate that, quite obviously. Okay, before we get to the individual stuff and some final takeaways on the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Today's show is also sponsored by Built Bar. Built Bar is fantastic. It's the best protein bar ever. I haven't said it for a long time now. It's the amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, delicious-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of its bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the absolute best because it's Built Bar Madness here in the month of March. Today's matchup that you can vote on is Lemon Almond Cheesecake against Carrot Cake with Walnuts. I have to say, Lemon Almond Cheesecake is one of my favorites, so I have to lean in that direction. That's me personally, but if you have your own thoughts, you can definitely share them at BuiltBar.com or going to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Feel free to go ahead and do that because it's important that you weigh in on the best possible Built Bar flavors because honestly, they're all great and I have a hard time choosing between all of them myself. Also, remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off on your next order. That is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar of the bunch. One last time, that is promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, interrupt with the podcast this evening. We'll talk about the individual players uh, that performed in this game. Only 10 guys took the floor for the Hawks. No surprise as to who played and who didn't. Um, the four guys who got DNPs, Nathan Knight, Bruno Fernando, Brandon Goodwin, Skylar Mays, um, and basically a 10-man rotation that's been the case since everyone came back, basically, since Bogdanovich returned. Um, Akongwu and Rondo played 11 minutes each, and they kind of mirrored each other. They were actually plus six in what became a one-point win. 
Um, the first stint was actually quite good for both guys. Second one, not as good for Rondo. I feel like Kong will, Kong will play, well, play well in this game. Uh, Rondo hit two threes. That was his big contribution. He was 0-3 on twos, but he made back-to-back threes, had four assists. He was better than usual in this game, had a steal, um, and I thought you know played relatively well off the bench. Kongwu had three block shots in 11 minutes, two rebounds, a steal, and a put-back dunk. He was very good. It wasn't like he was a huge focal point of the offense, but defensively, he wore off the rim. Again, the block shots are impressive, and I thought it was uh, lots of good signs from the youngster in this game. Uh, Bogdanovich was not very good. Uh, scoreless, had four assists, though, uh, three rebounds, but was 0-6 from the floor, 0-5 from three. And uh, coming into the game, McMillan kind of downplayed any restriction on his minutes, and he only played 17 minutes in this game. So, honestly... I'm not sure how much of that was just performance. I think a lot of it could have been. Obviously, he's coming off the bench still. No changes in the lineup to this, to this point. But Bogdanovich did not really earn more time here. Uh, they went with Herter and Snell, and that was probably the right decision. Obviously, big picture, I think that Bogdanovich is still good. But in this game, um, and with all the rust that he probably still has, it wasn't like he played at a super high level, so I wasn't too bothered by that. Uh, Solomon Hill played 22 minutes. Was minus 10, had nine points, four fouls, uh, two rebounds, and assist. Hit, hit two threes and four free throw attempts, made three of them. I thought Solo was pretty decent. Wasn't fantastic, but made the plays that he needed to make. And then Gallinari had a couple of stretches. Basically, um, he had an eight point flourish in the first half, and then he was part of that big 10 12 0 run in the second half for the Hawks. In the middle of that, he was he was not very good, but um, you, you, honestly, what he is right now at this point is like a hot and cold offensive option. But he had 20 points in 29 minutes. Can't really argue with that. Four threes, um, two of two on twos. Got to the line four times, made all four. Five rebounds, two steals, and an assist. Defensively, it was a mess. But offensively, if he if he does this, it's not a problem. So there you go on that. To the starters, um, Tony Snell, the obviously the big hero of the night at the end of the game, only took four shots in the entire game. Uh, has still not taken a free throw all season long. It's been a recurring segment on this podcast. We'll do it again now. Snell leads the NBA in minutes without a free throw attempt this year by a wide margin. But he was plus 11. That was the game best mark for anyone. Obviously, that's more of a 3 and D thing that he's doing, but he's shooting the ball incredibly well. Two, three on threes, had five rebounds and an assist. Played good defense against the uh, Raptors wings. So six points, but uh, obviously the biggest three of the night for Tony and shots to Tony Snell at the end of the day. Uh, Kevin Herter. Did not shoot it great in this game. 6 of 16 from the floor, 3 of 9 from 3. Got to the line a couple times, though. Um, Four free throw attempts is good for him. Got to the rim a few times in the second half, I thought. 19 points, which was the third most on the team. Uh, Had four rebounds and assists. The steal actually had two block shots, which is not normal for Kevin. It was plus five. I thought he he played pretty well, despite the shaky shooting. Um, Click Capella only had seven seven field goal attempts, but had 18 rebounds, 9 points, 5 blocks. It was a very interesting Capella game. He was actually minus... 23 in this game. Uh, the plus minus for Capella has been good this season. They've been really good when he plays. In this game, he was kind of the only guy that was on the losing end of all of the minutes. Um, just kind of a weird outlier. I'm not sure he played poorly. I mean, he got a lot of rebounds, a lot of block shots. Offensively, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a struggle at times for him in this game. But I think it was more fluky that he just didn't play during the couple of big runs. Um, the Hawks had their their big their big push at the end of the game came with Gallinari and Collins playing together when they first had that like 10-0 run in the sort of from I don't know the six minute mark to the four minute mark. They brought Capella in at the very end for some defense. But um, you know between that and the first half run with the bench on the floor, he got caught in the minus 23 realm. But I thought Capella was okay. It wasn't like he played. Incredibly well by his standards, but he was, he gave the Hawks a bunch of much-needed defense when he was out there. The rebounding speaks for itself. John Collins, again, didn't play a ton. 
which is, uh, again, eyebrow-raising for me just because he's not played a ton under McMillan. Obviously, it's still a small sample size, but he's been sub-30 minutes for most of the games with Nate, with Nate coaching, and it could be just some noise in there, some foul trouble stuff, but um, I'll circle that. But he was plus 9 in uh, 28 minutes, 13 points, 8 rebounds, a assist, a steal, 2 block shots. Missed all four of his threes. That's going to kind of swing his efficiency, obviously, in this game, but still played relatively well. A couple of nice defensive plays in the closing minutes. And then Trey Young. 37 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, and have 6 turnovers, was minus 5. Um, as I said before, I don't think I don't think Trey played particularly well for the first like three quarters, despite scoring a bunch of points. He was good in that last six-minute stretch, under control, no real like forces um, in a way that he has done sometimes this year. This year. And obviously 37 points and 7 assists, uh, he was the focal point of the offense as he always is. He was 9 of 17 on twos. He got to the line 16 times, and that really helped to buoy his efficiency. Like, that's one of the things about Trey that's so good for the Hawks and so uh, helpful for his baseline is that even when he's kind of struggling, which he kind of was, in my opinion, in the first, like, two and a half quarters, getting the line just helps you so much. If he can do that, he was able to do that consistently. He actually missed three of his first eight free throws, I think, in this game, um, and settled in from there. But overall, a nice, solid night from 37 points. You can't really argue with that. Made a bunch of plays, and of course, he is the Michael Bultra Player of the Week. So check out Michael Bultra as you listen to the podcast. So that's everybody on the individual side of things. Um, last thoughts in terms of the overall scope of this game. The Hawks get a one-point win. They were three-point favorites, uh, and, you know, they did what they're supposed to do. Obviously, the highs and the lows, it's kind of hard to evaluate this game because they were so bad and so good at different times that I'm not sure the overall product was, like, remarkable. Similar to the Orlando game before the break, in that, yeah, the Hawks won, but I'm not sure they played well. Like, the Orlando game was almost worse, and that, but both opponents, like, if you just think about who they played in those two games, it's nice to get wins, but the Hawks beat a bad Orlando team, and then Objectively, the Raptors, if you just removed three of their first three of their top four players, would be pretty bad. So the wins still count, and the Hawks need the wins to be sure. They're going to have to play better to get wins moving forward. Uh, although this weekend is a good example of maybe not, because the schedule is pretty favorable this weekend. There is that big eight-game stretch coming up later on in March with the road trip. But over the weekend, they have Sacramento at home, and then a back-to-back against Cleveland at home. Now... This is the first matchup against the Kings this season. The Hawks play them again, you know, two weeks later or so in Sacramento. Um, the Hawks are famously 0-2 against the Cavs this year, and they've actually lost four in a row to Cleveland. Uh, Atlanta will be favored in that game, I'd imagine, because Cleveland is just not very good, but they do have the Hawks' number, so circle that. But uh, schedule-wise, two very winnable games here over the weekend, and the Hawks need to keep making up some ground because I know the Hawks are capable of beating anybody. But, you know, the smart money on that eight-game road trip is that, like, maybe 500 would be great, honestly. So banking some wins here would be helpful. Um, all that to say, I will not have another podcast until after the game on Saturday. There's plenty to catch up on the feed, as I said before. Caitlin Cooper on Wednesday's podcast. Brian Schroeder on um, two before that. And uh, even more stuff from before that. So please subscribe to the show. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Um, please check out the replay of Tony Snell's game winner and watch Nilo Gallinari as well as Tony Snell's celebration. Tony Snell, who also famously said that he does not believe in social media uh, earlier <laughs> earlier in the week. Uh, Tony Snell's a legend in this city. And uh, already after only half a season and uh, a game winner walk off on a Thursday night to start the second half of the season can only stand to improve that. So hopefully everybody's enjoying the uh, return of the Hawks. It's going to be fast and furious. As I said, 36 games in 66 days. I hope I can do it. Hopefully you'll be along for a ride as well. Subscribe, 
tell your friends, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday.